0: You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. All right, friends. I am so excited for today's episode because one of my dear friends and a woman that I admire for so many different reasons is on the show today, and we're going to be talking some really practical but equally powerful um, tips and advice and just steps we can take to really simplify our lives and maximize our time and really live life to the fullest every single day rather than feeling totally overwhelmed. So i I am so excited to introduce you to my friend Jessica. Jessica, can you say hey to all the listeners and tell them just a little bit about you, what you do, and what you're passionate about?
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm Jessica Turner. I am married to Matthew, who's a children's book author, and we live in Nashville, Tennessee with our three kids. Elias is 10, Adeline is 7, and Ezra is almost 4. I work full time outside the home doing corporate marketing, social media strategy, and video work. And additionally, I've got a lifestyle blog. I started blogging in 2006. So I'm kind of a dinosaur in the blogging world. And I (laughs) blog and speak and write books. So It is a full, busy life for sure, but I do feel like we really lean into that idea of thriving and not like we're just barely hanging on most of the time.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I, for, you know, just for frame of reference and context um, for the listeners here, I got to hear you speak about maybe a month or so ago at a conference in Nashville. And what struck me is that you shared, you know, I'm juggling all of these things. And I was over here like, how do you do that? You know, and (laughs) I love... I loved just the way you gave such practical breakdowns for women in different seasons of life and busy working moms or just busy women in general that have, you know, that are multi-passionate, that have a variety of different obligations and important relationships. And you gave some really great insight into what it looks like to maximize your time by automating your life. And I remember this little light bulb went off in my head and I was like, hold on, wait, I understand you can automate things like on the internet, but you can automate your life? What does that mean? (laughs) And just the way you explained it was so helpful. So can you just share a little bit about that concept of automating
2: your life? What does that even mean? Yeah, absolutely. So in my new book, Stretch Too Thin, How Working Moms Can Lose the Guilt, Work Smarter, and Thrive, I talk about the concept of mental load. And mental load is the largely invisible job of noticing and remembering. So it's, oh, we need light bulbs. Oh, I need to schedule that doctor's appointment. Oh, we need to run that errand. Like all the things that predominantly women have running through their minds, that's mental load. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that is all the things, all the stuff that we need to run our houses. And Mm -hmm. In the research that I did, Four out of five women cited that they were overwhelmed by managing their homes. And I'm like, listen, if you automate, you're going to reduce that mental load and then you're going to have less stress in managing your home. So using things like Amazon Prime, Target.com, Grove Collaborative and scheduling so that you never run out of toilet paper, you never run out of soap, you never run out of cereal, right? Like Mm -hmm. all of those things can automatically come to your house and then you're no longer thinking about those things. I mean, I can even automate my electric bill. You know, Mm -hmm. I can do online payments that I can just schedule and I never have to worry about being late on a bill, right, because I've automated that. And so there's lots of ways that we can do that. I can have food delivered to my house every week on a certain day, you know, those types of things.
0: Yeah, I love that. So I want to ask you maybe a little bit of a challenging question, but I think you'll be able to speak into it. With all of these different things that are available to us to automate our life, and I'm asking from personal experience because a year ago, my husband suggested, you know, having our groceries sent to our house and doing that kind of a thing. And I was like, no way. We can, we have legs. We can go to the grocery store, you know, and I fight it. I don't know why, but there's so many different things from automating your bill payments to automating your grocery delivery to, you know, getting different things delivered and automated why do we not do that? If it's available, and I probably could share
2: from my personal experience what the answer is, but I'm curious to see what you think. I think it's a couple different reasons. For some, it is cost. So all of that is determined by if you have the budget to do it. So even having my groceries delivered by shift, I pay $99 a year for that. I need to tip the person. There is a slight markup on all of the food. So it is a little bit more expensive to do that. So I I think some of that is just if you have the bandwidth in your budget Mm -hmm. to do that. So some people feel like that is not something that I want to spend my money on is doing that. Now, my perspective is it is worth it to me to pay that little bit extra to get that time back and Mm -hmm. to not have to do that. Mm -hmm. I also think it's really powerful because by me using those services, I am allowing other people to do their jobs well Mm -hmm. and really giving people work, right? If there weren't people like me who were automating things and looking for things to be delivered, there would be people out of work, right? So um, I also think about that, that me using this isn't Hurting me, and it's actually helping somebody else as well. I do also think that we look to how we were raised mm-hmm. and how we maybe saw our moms do things. So, you know, my mom was an amazing homemaker and she w- was a working mom. She worked, I would say, probably 30 hours a week. When we were in school, she was at work. But her house was always neat and tidy. I don't remember our house ever feeling like overwhelmed or chaotic, like my house sometimes feels. And um, she was just really great at that. And so I remember thinking when we were looking at hiring a cleaning service, how I shouldn't do that because my mom didn't do it. Mm. And so we have a frame of reference of what we see someone else doing, and we think that we have to be just like them. When the, act- the real story is that my life is different than my mom's. I have another child compared to what she had. I work more hours. I'm running a business. And so our lives aren't the same. And so sometimes I think we look at other people's stories and think that that has to be what our own story is instead of really what our own need is.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and I think even I love the generational comparison, but I think even with our peers, some of my friends are moms that are just kicking butt at life. And I'm like, man, I'm not even a mom yet. And I'm overwhelmed, you know, and but we have such different Stories and things that we're doing. And so we write these narratives, I think, in our head based off of something we perceive, which creates a pressure (laughs) to be everything to everyone at all times rather than saying, hold on, how can I really press into the discipline of making the most of what few limited hours I have? And not because I just want to be waited on. You know, I think for me, my fear was, I don't want someone to deliver my groceries. That makes me feel like, you know, the fancy person who only eats green MMs, you know? And I think what I realized was, hold on, maybe, like you said, it's also helping people, but it's actually allowing me, especially on weekends where we've just traveled or we have visitors, we have company all the time. We love hosting people. And so in those spaces and in those times, it allows me to actually be more present with those people. So it actually does allow me to serve better you know, and to maximize not only my time. It's not a selfish thing. It's also for relationships to make the true priorities of people in my life the first priority when when there's a toss-up, when it's like this is Sunday afternoon. <laughs> do I wanna spend quality time with the people that are visiting me this weekend or with my husband because I've been traveling all week? Or do I wanna run to the store? And so if you have the ability, and it doesn't have to be every week. We don't do this every single week, but on the weeks that I know. We need to automate some things, even just listening to your talk and finally kind of caving to my husband's suggestion (laughs) of hopping on the Amazon Prime train. It's been so helpful. And I actually feel so much more relaxed going into my week because Sunday afternoons can be a
2: stressful time, you know? Absolutely. And... I think that, as long as you are aware that, okay, this is what I'm doing, and I'm doing it because of this, and you're not squandering that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great a great place to be. And, you know, as a mom with three kids <laughs> that you who see our lives being automated, they think that then things are just really easy. Well, can't you just go on Amazon and do that? And I have to say to them, well yes, I can, but that costs money, mm-hmm. you know, and like teach them. So there's some different teaching that has to happen when you've got little ones and you're automating to make them appreciate that service. Sure.
0: Right. It's a it's a time value kind of trade-off, right? Or assessment that has to be made. And I love that you're intentional about teaching that too and explaining that everything comes with a cost, you know, whether it's the cost of your time or the cost of your dollars, and you have to decide what is most valuable and what you can afford in both, you know, types of resources. I love that. I think that's awesome. Speaking of having little ones and having different dynamics in the house and in the family unit, one thing that I've also heard you talk a little bit about, and I would love for you to expand on, is practicing self-care, partially for yourself, but Also, for every member of your family, what does that mean? What does that look like? How is that something that we can implement no matter if we've just got a spouse or multiple little ones running around?
2: So I think that it's really important that we recognize that self-care looks different for each member of the family, right? So If you are cognizant of, okay, for me, it looks like going to the gym. And for my husband, it looks like getting some time outside. And for my little girl, it looks like crafting. And then being sure that you are making space for that and allowing for that, that everybody needs that space, that it isn't just you. But so often, I think for women, we are the ones who... Don't make that space for ourselves. We make space for everybody else, but we don't make it for ourselves.
0: Mm -hmm. Would you say, did you ever believe that lie that self-care is selfish?
2: I don't think I ever believed it, but I recognized how prevalent it was Mm -hmm. for so many women. My first book, The Fringe Hour is Making Time for You, deals solely with self-care. And it was something that I heard again and again from women. I surveyed thousands of women who felt that very thing. And I recognize that. When I'm taking care of myself, I am a better wife, a better mom, a better friend, a better coworker, Mm -hmm. and I'm able to do all of those things to the best of my ability because I've taken care of myself. It's that oxygen mask philosophy that you've got to take care of yourself before you can take care of everyone and everything else around you.
0: I love that. Can you explain the oxygen mask philosophy?
2: (laughs) Sure. It's what we hear when we travel on airplanes, right? When the flight attendant says, if you're holding a child and the oxygen mask comes down, you need to put on your own oxygen mask before you put on the oxygen mask of your child. And, you know, that's something that is counterintuitive for a mother, right? It's that that mm-hmm. mama bear wants to take care of her little ones first, but you aren't going to be able to do that if you don't have that mask on first. And the same is true for self-care.
0: Uh so good. I love how simple that is, but it's so true. I mean, I remember several months ago, I kind of hit my breaking point in that I had a burnout and was like, oh man, there are so many little things that you can overlook. Something as simple as I'm going to take care of myself. And instead of feeling like I have to do everything every night and get everything done perfectly, I'm going to set up a little bit of a routine to create that space for myself. Because I think having margin in our lives kind of, or like the fringe hours that you talk about in your first book, it's something that we actually have to create and actively build into a schedule. It doesn't just like pop up, you know? And I think I expected, oh, when I get everything done, I'll have that. Rather than saying, what if I create a disciplined routine, even if that's something like by eight o'clock at night, I'm off of screen time and I'm reading. I'm spending 20 minutes before reading or before bed reading or something as simple as that practice. I was like, dang, that seems so um, basic and not like a huge commitment or anything, but that's been really life-giving for me just to say, okay, hold on. I hit burnout. I need to reorder some of these really basic things and to do the disciplines that allow me to create a little bit of margin throughout my days to breathe, you know?
2: It's so, so important that women recognize and constantly fight for that practice of self-care because it truly is life-changing when you start putting yourself first. And I think it's also important to recognize that self-care is about a lot more than bubble baths and Mm -hmm. manicures and massages. Like it is a really holistic practice of taking care of your mind, body, and soul. It's Mm -hmm. all of those different things. It's drinking water. It's getting enough sleep. It's doing those things that you love, whether that's reading or writing or crafting, whatever it is that fills you up, that your unique passions, all of that plays into self-care and making you a better, more holistic person.
0: Yes, and I think that's where that lie comes in, that it's selfish, because when we think self-care, we think manicures and bubble baths, right? And nothing wrong with that every now and then, let's be real, but that's not realistic or a good idea to do all of the time, right? But it's those little things and those basics that, you know, really do foster mental, spiritual, physical health, right? Emotional health, everything, and it it spills over into every area of our life. Um, Right. Can you give a couple examples of something when, you know, maybe that a mom or or a busy working woman could do to like that she could implement right now if she's like, I am literally at my capacity, I'm experiencing total burnout, I'm exhausted, and I just need a couple practical things to hold on to that will allow me to implement some more basic, simple, totally doable self-care practices tomorrow
2: <laughs> or do day. Right. So I think the first one is to look at your calendar and identify maybe some things that need to come off your calendar. So if your calendar is so full that you are not able to take care of yourself, then that means something needs to go. And so maybe take a look at your calendar and say, okay, what do I have on here that I don't really need to do? That's maybe a nice to do. There's a lot of wonderful things out there to do, but that doesn't mean you have to do all of them right now or that they're going to be life-giving if you are really hanging at the end of your rope. I really encourage women to track their time for a week. So that's something that you would start tomorrow but maybe you're not going to have the full solution here for a week, but by tracking your time for a week and writing down everything that you do in 15 minute increments from the laundry and the pickup line to work and taking care of your home and time with your spouse, all of those things, it gives you a really clear picture of where your time is going. Because frankly, we all have time to take care of ourselves. It's just how are we using that time? You know, women will say to me, oh, I don't have any time for myself. And then they'll ask me, oh, did you see the latest season of The Crown on Netflix or whatever, (laughs) right? And it's like okay, so you do have time. You're just choosing to consume a whole lot of media, Mm -hmm. right? And instead of maybe doing other things that would be more life-giving for you. You know, I think the other thing is if you're married, to say to your spouse or if you're not married, say to a friend, hey, I'm really struggling in the area of self-care. Can you help keep me accountable? I know my husband is great at saying, Jess, you have been working a ton. I want to be sure that you get some time for yourself this weekend. Plan on going out for the morning and doing whatever you need to do on Saturday. I'll take care of the kids. We'll get the housework done whatever and giving me that time. And that is so empowering to feel supported in that need for self-care. And so maybe have somebody else speak into your life if you aren't able to draw the line and say, this is something I'm going to start doing today.
0: That's good. That's good. And I think that makes so much sense. That's I'm actually going to do that today. I'm going to call my husband after I get off this call because you hear the word self-care and you almost take like, oh, so self-responsibility too. It's all on me. But no, invite someone else into that space and let them speak into that. And I also love that you pointed out this, you know, I don't have time versus I have time, but am I making time? Because um, I think it can be easy to think, well, I'm Netflix binging, so I'm taking care of myself. But if that's not really, steward, like, you almost have to weigh every, at least this is something I've learned, and you can tell me if this makes sense. Um, something I've learned is, yes, that may be relaxing, and on occasion, sure, whatever. But I think um, when, whether it's an Instagram scroll or a Netflix binge, it, you almost have to weigh those type of activities against an actual scale and say, okay, does this help my physical health? I'd say probably not unless you're healing from, you know, an illness or something. Does this help my mental health? Mm, Probably not because it just clutters your mind, right? And does this help my soul in any way, right? Is this helping me grow spiritually, emotionally, mentally? And I think that's what's hard about entertainment is it can kind of feel like an escape. Would you agree
2: with that? Oh, absolutely. I know I'm somebody who loves a long hot bath and reading a book. And I noticed that I was bringing my phone into the bathroom Mm -hmm. and I was saying that I was doing it so that I could keep an eye on the clock. But really, I would start scrolling while I was sitting in the bath. Hmm. And all of a sudden, 20 minutes would go by and I hadn't read a page of my book. It was time to get out of the bathtub and I didn't feel really any better. (laughs) So I then started setting a timer and leaving my phone on the sink where I couldn't access it from the bathtub, but it would still let me know, hey, you've been in here 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever I had set for myself. And that was so much better. I think we get caught so often in media consumption and Mm -hmm. then we think we don't have time for ourselves when really we have spent an exorbitant amount of time Consuming. Doing social media, (laughs) consuming things. And not that any of those things are bad. And I do all of those things. But I think that we need to recognize when it's taking over.
0: Absolutely. And it's funny. I think such a big part of self-care, especially nowadays, is being present. You know, like you said, I was still in a bathtub. Technically, that's more relaxing than, I guess, sitting at my desk. But I wasn't allowing my mind to be renewed, you know, and to take my eyes off of this. And so it's just that constant am I really allowing myself to be present? Am I doing what I said I was going to do? Am I really fully engaged in this moment, whether that's bathtub and reading or going for a walk? You know, there's been so many times I've said, I'm gonna go for a walk and clear my head. And then of course, I'm either on my phone while I'm walking, on a phone call, which seems to make no sense, but that's where I decide I'm gonna squeeze it in, or I'm thinking through and like constantly brainstorming the next 10 things I need to do when I get home rather than really being all there. And one thing that my mom actually gave me advice to do is when you're trying to really be present in a moment, it's kind of this uh, concept that can be a little bit difficult in our super stimulated society. And she said, try engaging all five of your senses. So your smell, you know, your the way you hear things, touch what you see, and that's really gonna help you decide Am I really, you know, smelling the lavender in the the bubble bath or feeling the wind in my face and act like as I walk down the street? As simple as that is, that really helps you appreciate the moment and be all there.
2: I love that. I think that was really wise of your mom. And I think in general, just being fully present in whatever we're doing. So if we're at work, that we're fully engaged at work. If we are at home, we're fully engaged with our family. Is it something that was really life-giving to me? Because I work outside the home 40 hours a week, there's a lot of time when I'm not with my kids. And that is something that could make me feel really guilty. But I read this research that said it is not about the quantity of the time with our kids, it's about the quality of the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that we could replace kids with just about any relationship in our lives, right? But it is that we are invested fully and fully present and that we aren't, you know, have a phone in one hand and half-heartedly listening. My three-year-old, you know, he's at that age where he's doing a lot of the same things and I can look out of the corner of my eye and know exactly what he's doing. And he was calling me, mama, mama, look at me, look at me. And I said, "Uh uh-huh. But I was on my computer and Mm -hmm. I I was working. And he said, mama, look at me. Hmm. Like he needed me to be fully engaged with him, Hmm. not just half-hearted. And that was such a good lesson for me.
0: Hmm. I love that you brought up those feelings of guilt too, because like you said, that can come in with kids. And I think that can also come in with any relationship. I have felt so many times, I mean, I'm, you know, when I'm trying to be really intentional about prioritizing my time or, you know, if I'm in a busy season, there are times where a friend will text me and I forget to get back for 96 hours. And then I have to act like, uh, you know, I have to follow up. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I saw this and I forgot. So there's times I felt like a bad friend. And there's times I felt guilty for not being available for my friends who, hey, I want to catch up. Hey, I want to get lunch. Hey, I want to do this. And that's great when it's one person, but when there's several different friends that you haven't caught up with and you start to feel like oh, I am just not being a good friend. And there's the guilt associated with that because you know this idea of I haven't seen them in however many months, right? Or or even in marriage or any other interpersonal relationship. I think if I'm forgetting to call home, you know, um often enough, it can be so easy to feel that same guilt. And so can you speak a little bit again into guilt that can come not only as a working mom but just in any interpersonal relationship and do you have some strategies to combat that I know you just mentioned the quality over quantity can you dive a little bit more into that shout out to grove for sponsoring this episode did you know 94,000 trees are cut down in the U.S. every day to make toilet paper and paper towels Stop paying to cut down trees and try Seedling, 100% tree-free paper products. Grove Collaborative is the B Corporation that is changing the world with its beautiful and sustainable natural products like Seedling, Grove's toilet paper and tissues that are made from bamboo and sugarcane. Seedling is a practical solution to one of the world's biggest environmental problems, deforestation. But it's not just paper products. From its refillable glass soap dispensers to the awesome wool dryer balls that last for over 1,000 loads, and I mean, I don't need to buy dryer sheets anymore, Grove designs truly awesome and innovative products from the ground up. Hands down, Grove makes and carries the best natural product. Each one is vetted to be the most effective, sustainable, natural product out there. Not a single product on its website can be tested on animals. And with its price matching and 100% happiness guarantee, Grove makes it easy to get the best natural deals delivered right to your door. On top of their own really innovative products, like Seedling, Grove also carries a bunch of other natural brands we were already using at home. They are my one-stop shop for all of my household, pet, and personal care staples. Plus, life is easier and cheaper when I shop with Grove. Shopping with Grove, I can auto-schedule shipments, customize my basket and even text a real person to get product recommendations. With price matching, I know I'm getting the best deal out there. It even beats other online retailers. When I got my first shipment of Grove, I was hooked and I know if you try it, you will be too. If you haven't already tried Grove, you need to shop today before this deal runs out. For a limited amount of time, My listeners who sign up get an amazing free 30-day supply of seedling, Grove's tree-free paper towels, toilet paper, and tissues, plus a free 60-day VIP membership and a surprise bonus gift just for you when you sign up and place an order of $20 or more. Check out Grove and our special offer at grove.co slash she. That's grove.co slash she.
2: You know, I think guilt can do one of two things for us. It either is trying to teach us something and we can recognize that, oh, maybe I need to make a change in this. You know, we feel guilty. You feel guilty about not getting together with your friends. Well, where is that coming from? Like really kind of pay attention to that and explore, like, is that coming from a place of— Wanting to be better at relationships, to want to lean more closely into those people? Is it, you know, where, mm-hmm. why are you feeling guilty about that? Like, really ask yourself that question. The other, and that, because then it can maybe foster change, mm-hmm. you know? So, if you have been somebody who feels guilty because you haven't spent time with friends and you are wanting that and that's making you feel guilty, well, you know what? Maybe you'd make some changes to your schedule so that you can accommodate that. Or maybe you say, you know what? I want, I'm going to start a book club so mm-hmm. that everyone can get together once a month and we get together for wine and cheese and the unifying mm-hmm. device is the book, and then I can see everybody at once. And, you know, you do something with that. It motivates you to mm-hmm. make a change in your life. The other kind of guilt I really believe is just a lie that we're telling ourselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, I speak a lot to moms and for a lot of women, they will say to themselves, I'm a bad mom because I didn't do X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. And they feel guilt about that. And that is completely not true. And and sometimes you need to recognize, oh, I'm telling myself a lie. Like, this is actually not true in my life. I know that I've had experiences with my kids where I've thought, oh, I wasn't there for them. I wasn't present. And that makes me a bad mom. Mm-hmm. And really, it doesn't. It just makes me a mom who wasn't there for that minute. But that doesn't make me a less than mom. It doesn't make me a mom who isn't still invested in my kids and love my kids. And, and so I need to sometimes speak truth to myself. And sometimes I need my husband to come in and say, you're a great mom. Mm -hmm. And I need somebody else to tell me that because I'm not able to see the forest for the trees and and tell that truth to myself.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I think thinking about guilt in those two ways is actually really helpful. It's a really helpful exercise. I love that you brought that up. Is Where is this guilt coming from? And is it teaching me something or is it something that I need to combat with truth, right? And There are times where it's like, if I really look at whatever type of guilt I'm feeling in any kind of relationship due to feeling busy or anything like that... um a lot of the time, it's more of a perceived story I made up in my mind. It's maybe you've thought this too, like, oh, well, th- when they're older, you know, I, I know you talked about this when I heard you speak, which is why, and when I've seen your book trailer, so I'm bringing it up. But when when they're older, they're gonna remember their dad being present more and not me or whatever, or in third grade class or what was that? Can you tell that story a little bit, just so I can? Yeah, I, I'm I sure not saying can. it right. <laughs>
2: My little girl came home at the end of her kindergarten year and she had a little worksheet packet and she drew her four favorite memories from the school year and it was her friends and her teacher and a field trip. And the last quadrant said, daddy. And it was a picture of her and my husband that she had drawn. And I just lost it. I Mm -hmm. just started bawling right there on the couch. And my husband was like, why are you crying? And I said, she's going to remember you at school and me in an office Mm because his job gives him the flexibility to get to go to school a lot more than mine does. And he said, that is not true. Like, our kids are not going to look back on their elementary years and say, my mom wasn't there. Like, that's Mm -hmm. just, there's no truth to that. Like, fine, I went to school a couple times and read stories in class, but you were there for all the music programs, for everything that mattered. You were there for them at night. Like, Mm -hmm. that. This is not a representation of her life, these four little quadrants. And I needed him to speak that truth. And you know what? I still, that story, if you watch the video trailer, I cry in that trailer. And I think that was like two years after it happened. I mean, it still brings up a lot of emotion for me because Mm -hmm. I do want to be a mom who's present and that my kids know that they're loved. But the truth is, my kids do know they're loved. And when I'm with them, I am present with them. Mm -hmm. And so that's the truth I need to remind myself of, not that little guilt lie that tends to sometimes creep into the back of my mind.
0: Yeah. And so this is why I brought this up, which I love that story. I think it's so it resonates with so many. Um, But the reason I even touch on it is because that was, what, a two-second moment in life, right? That was a very short blip. And that just spiraled. It caused you to spiral and think, I'm relating this one memory she's sharing, right? She only had four options, right? She only had four things to put in there. And that just happened to be what she shared. And we almost generalize that to all of life. We take this one small moment or thing, and then your mind immediately jumps to you. When she's 20, this is what she's going to remember because in these two minutes, that's what she decided to draw on her paper, right? And I think in the same way with other interpersonal relationships and friendships and things like that, you know, there's been a time where in this moment, I know that my friends bummed out that I didn't get back to them on time about that Friday night activity or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're just going to think I'm such a horrible friend and I don't care about them, right? I almost take this small little, oh, I was bummed that didn't work out, you know, and they're really not overthinking it or thinking of it that deeply as much as I am. And I'm over here whirling like, how do I make it up to them? What am I going to do? How am I going to change? They're not going to remember me as a good friend. And it creates this huge generalization that in fact
2: is not even where their head is. Totally. And I think that also is a good reminder that we need to be honest in those moments and have conversations if necessary to make sure that the truth is out there, right? So mm-hmm. my little girl was right there and she was five, right? So it wasn't like she could speak a whole lot of truth into my life, but she said to me, Mommy, I'm so sorry I didn't remember when you came for the Valentine's party and color that. You know, like she immediately mm-hmm. wanted to fix it. And then my husband spoke truth into my life, but I was able to not sit and dwell with that because I had other people coming into my life and speaking into it. The same with the example you give with your friends. Like, I think dwelling on that just creates more guilt, more resentment, or shame, or whatever those emotions are, because we don't say, hey, I hope that you know that I didn't mean anything by that. I was just swamped that day, and mm-hmm. I'm so sorry I didn't get back to you. And then they're like, oh, yeah, it was no big deal, and you move on, right? Right. Or, yeah, you know what? You do that to me a lot, and it really hurt me. And so thank you for saying that, and I need to have this conversation, yeah. you know? and so, Open the door to um, the
0: honest conversation is the way to right, get over
2: it. <laughs> right, exactly, so that it doesn't fester, whether it's that mm-hmm. feeling of guilt or it's another emotion. Mm-hmm.
0: I think the vulnerably laying your soul there on the table and owning it too, you know, whether like, oh, there's been times where I'm like, wow, my bad. You know, I was not being a good friend for you in this moment because I was preoccupied by all of these other things, you know, and just putting it out there. And most of the time it's, such a, hey, no problem. I really appreciate you saying something. And every now and then it's, you know, there's been a moment or two in my life where there has to be a little bit more conversation about it. And we figure out, okay, you know what? I'm in a crazy year right now. You're aware of that. Now that that's out there on the table, you know, maybe let's pick two or three dates this year ahead of time that I can really invest that quality so that it's not spur of the moment. And then I don't remember to get back to you and just almost creating strategies. I mean, honesty can lead to strategy um, in, in navigating those things, right? So you were at the foundation party and you were able to do certain things and you were able to strategize and say, okay, but my evenings I'm here. So hold on, let me be really present there. And so I think in the same way, something that's really helped me is saying first, let's break through and actually like address the elephant in the room here, right? And allow that conversation to be had, whether that's with your five-year-old or with your, you know, forever best friend from childhood or someone else. And then taking that and saying, okay, what's the strategy for going forward so that I don't find myself in this situation again and I have a plan. I think, I I love the quote that says, if we fail to plan, we plan to fail, right? And so I think even within our relationships, we can help avoid some of that future guilt or ongoing guilt or ongoing tension or shame or frustration if we just tackle the issue, bring it up, cry it out if we need to, talk about it, and then make a strategy for going forward. Absolutely. And
2: I I think we don't need to overthink it too. It's not like, Strategies, I think, sometimes we think are only good for in the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is just ways to navigate. It's wisdom that you're bringing to your relationships, right?
0: Yeah, simple, not not a rocket science strategies, more just more of like a plan, you know, a strategy for how do I navigate friendships in a busy season? How do I navigate being present with my family in a busy season? And again, that goes back to automating your life, right? Saying, okay, you know what, my strategy for December, because December is gonna be crazy, is I'm gonna just have groceries delivered so that I can really spend time with my kids when they're home from school, or so that I can catch up with some of those friends at the end of the year as the work year kind of dies down, you know, whatever that is. So strategy sounds like this big, crazy, I think, analytical word, but it's actually really, really simple if we can apply it to the everyday things.
2: I love that. As we talk about holidays, I think about how in my family we say, okay, if we only did one thing this Christmas season, what is the one thing that we would do? And let everybody say their favorite thing. And then it makes it really clear. These are our need to do's. Everything else is a nice to do. And if we do that thing, that's great. But this isn't the thing that's going to make or break our Christmas season. And I think it's so important when you know a busy season is coming to plan for it and say, I want to be present for the season. I want to be intentional about the time that I have. I don't want it to just be a rat race every single Mm -hmm. day, right? And I think having strategies in place to make sure that that happens is a really good way to do that.
0: I love that you said, what's our one thing as a family for this holiday season, this Christmas? I mean, we're in Thanksgiving week now. So I have felt that at times, and I'm sure you have too, is there's so many moving parts, like throw in, you know, holidays and family and get togethers and food and preparation and gifts and <laughs> decorations and all these other things into, I'm also trying to wrap up my year here. And I'm also trying to get these, you know, whatever the projects are out or do everything that we were already doing. And then you throw all this other stuff onto the pile. It can create, would you say like, I don't know. I, I've felt this, so I don't know if you felt this—that pressure that can come with the holiday season.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, we want everything to look like a Hallmark movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, that—that's just because it's December. It's like every other month of the year, and that's just not real life. And so, I think if we go in with reasonable expectations of these are the things that are important to me, these are the things that are meaningful, and also planning, right? Like Christmas is a month away, mm-hmm. and so we can do a little bit of planning. We can plan for our budget and plan for our time and say, these are the things that I am going to do. And these are the things that I'm not going to worry about that just because somebody else says that that's meaningful for their holiday season doesn't mean it has to be meaningful for mine.
0: Yeah, so good. And me being a creative and you probably being creative too, it's fun to decorate for me. It's fun to creatively figure out gift ideas and wrap things in a certain way. I I just love doing that. And actually that's quite relaxing for me in some ways, but it's not if I have this expectation that this is how my house is gonna look and this is how my um, cookies are gonna look and this is how morning's gonna the Christmas morning's gonna be and this is how the gifts will be wrapped and I have this vision in my head because I'm creative but then I don't plan for it or create time for it in any way and then you know I'm discouraged or frustrated and I'm trying to throw it together and it's just a mess. I mean I'll say this with you know no shame. it was so funny I had my in-laws visiting um, at the end of October. And on Halloween, my mother-in-law and I, we went Christmas shopping just for fun. We were, you know, walking around some different shops and we found a few garlands that we thought would be pretty in, in our house. And we got home and she's like... We just kind of started talking and we thought, why don't we just put this up now? Because we were just sitting around and yeah, it was November 1st. But I thought, yeah, I'm just going to skip. I'm not going to be able to do Thanksgiving decorations, even though I'm hosting Thanksgiving and then take all those down and then have time to get Christmas decorations up. I have a few free hours right now and this would be something nice to do with my mother in law. So I'm going to make this quality time and we're going to get it done now. And it's great because my house has been decorated for Christmas for like a month now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing.
0: But it's done and it just takes, it's like I had free time. So who's to say we have to, you know, and it's simple. We didn't put tons of decorations up. My house does not look like a gingerbread house, (laughs) but it's just a few nice things. And it really took the pressure off going into the busyness and the craziness of the holiday
2: season. I love that. That's so great.
0: Jessica, we are just, I mean, I could talk to you for a long time. (laughs) I feel like there's so much I can learn from you and that our listeners can learn, but I know that you have um, a busy day ahead of you, so I don't want to keep you too long. But before we hop off and before we wrap up, can you just tell everyone where they can find you, your books, your resources? I just think you have so much value to offer to the Everyday Gal, and I think if you can point her in the right direction, she's going to be so blessed by you.
2: Oh, you're so kind. So my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. So my main account is Jessica N. Turner. And I also have a Bookstagram account because I love talking about books so much. And so that account is Book Snobbery. So those are the two places you can find me on Instagram. You can find information about me and my books on my website, themomcreative.com. And actually, I've got this great resource. If you're a working mom who's listening for working moms in particular, how do you thrive? And I interviewed eight incredible women in eight different fields and said, what are the things you do to really thrive? And that Mm -hmm. free video series is available on themomcreative.com slash thrive.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for joining us. You guys go get her books, The Fringe Hours, (laughs) Stretch Too Thin, follow her, download that video series. It's going to bless your life. Thanks for listening and thanks for being on, Jess. Thank you. If you liked today's episode, would you consider leaving a review in the podcast app or wherever you listen? If this show has helped you grow into the she you are made to be at all, taking 0.3 seconds to leave a review would mean the world. This helps the show grow so I can keep researching, creating, and providing new content to help you make your life better every single week. If you leave a review, be sure to share a screenshot of it on your Instagram story and tag me so that I can personally thank you. Thanks so much, sister friend. You are the best. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. This show is a part of the Lasting Media Network and produced by John Fender, Jason Barrett, and Jonas Litton with the help of Jackson Willis. Visit lastingmediagroup.com to learn more. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less.
1: Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework,